six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Some air guitar, right? rocking some uh, Randy Rhodes yeah, air Rhodes. guitar. I think Very uh, good. Ozzy Osbourne, mm-hmm. good stuff. Thomas Schiller here in the studio with us, and uh, we are having a uh, great morning. Uh, it is absolutely beautiful and gorgeous out there. And uh, let me tell you, we have a good show for you. We do, yeah. And it is all about something that I have been very intrigued by because you know I, I love a good mystery. I think everybody loves a good mystery, right? Yeah, sure. And um, there is a mysterious uh, void that is hidden within the rocks that we stand on. And that, my friends, that is time. So we're going to be talking about missing time today. And as you travel through and look at the beautiful mountains, look gaze upon Miter Peak, or even if you're heading to Big Bend right now, you see a lot of geology across the whole entire uh, expanse of this beautiful high desert. And you also uh, unknowingly are looking and gazing upon missing time in some ways. And we're going to be talking about that. So tell me first off, uh, Dr. Thomas Schiller, who is with us uh, today, uh, what is missing time, Tom? Um, Well, it's time. It is still time. That's missing. It is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, we're talking about missing time in the context of of geologic time, um, which we've talked about this in previous episodes, kind of the different scales of time that we're aware of as people. You know, we've got our kind of human scale of time that we're familiar with, which is our our hours and minutes and days and weeks and all that. To uh, geologists, that's like minuscule, um, barely, you know, a, a blip, you know, to, to physicists, to, to astronomers, Honor Bonds just joined us here. Um, they work on an even longer time scale. Okay. And so when talking about missing time in a geologic context, we can be talking about millions, if not billions of years that are basically missing from our rock record. Um, and it's pretty common. Um, not necessarily the big ones that are like a billion and a half years that are missing, but um, even small scale missing time. Um, if you, for example, to kind of kind of demonstrate what a, a short amount of missing time would look like, if you're driving down to Big Bend or in Central Texas where you have um, layered rocks, you know, if you drive to Central Texas on I ten, you see all these limestones that have little layers. Mm-hmm. Technically, each one of those those planes that separates those layers of limestone represents some amount of missing time. Now, probably talking, you know, maybe days or even hours of missing time, but each one of those discrete planes represents what we call a bedding surface and missing time. Now, um, on a broader scale, 
or on a longer scale, I should say, um, if you're, you know, walking around and looking at rocks or driving through I-10, sometimes you can see these these irregular surfaces that aren't flat and planar. They're kind of jagged or, or wavy. Mm-hmm. Those are probably what we call unconformities, which um, usually represent a more substantial amount of missing time. Um, and unconformities are kind of the, the, the standard unit or standard uh, feature that we associate with time that's missing from the physical rock record. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's something we, you, can, you can visually you can look at and you can identify. You don't need necessarily any sort of time context. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, you don't need fossils to tell you that an unconformity exists in some places. Can I ask you something about um, basically our geology out here? Um, w- w- the way I've described it to people is that it's like you take the oceans and the waves that are the oceans mm-hmm. and you just pause it and you basically transform those waves into what our geology is really out here. And you have like this moment in history where we can actually observe this one tiny little piece of the last Mm -hmm. 4.6 billion years. Yeah. And not just one little piece, you know, that's one of the unique things about the Transpecos is um, our geologic history goes all the way back to the, to the Paleozoic back when the continents were in totally different spots, when we had an ocean that existed Mm -hmm. in our current geographic location and um, different animals, different plants. You have that window of time that's preserved. You have um, the Cretaceous going to the time of the dinosaurs. We've got a good record of that here. And then finally, we have a really great record of, of geologic events that took place in the, the Cenozoic in recent time, vol, uh, volcanoes and, and stuff like that. So we're really fortunate out here in West Texas to have a, a pretty good record. Yeah. Now, the reason I don't say complete is because there's really no complete record, yeah. um, which brings up the missing time ideas. That when we look at our geologic record, there's a huge amount of time that's missing. Um, uh, like specifically out here, what makes this area unique? <laughs> well, probably the, the best known um, spot where you can see a substantial amount of time that's missing is in the Glass Mountains, mm. which are, are just north of, or sorry, just uh yeah, just north of Alpine. Um, and what you're seeing there, if you look off to the Glass Mountains, you can see the lower rocks that make up those, they're, they're hills, they're not really mountains. Um, they're sort of tilted at, at different angles than the ones that are on top. And there is a discrete horizon in between those two that's a very easily identified surface that represents um, basically all of the Triassic and Jurassic periods of the Cretaceous or the Mesozoic and most of the beginning of the, the Cretaceous that are gone. Mm. Um, they're just not exposed. Right. So it's separating the Permian 251 million years ago from the Cretaceous. So what does this create for you as a scientist? Like it, it sounds like it creates, you're opening a toy chest it creates here. It creates problems is what it creates. Problems? Well, that, that's like. A uh, moment to discover, right? That's all a problem. Well, is, that's right? well, that's the the problem with with missing time is um, it's missing. You don't know what happened, and um, that gives you the opportunity to discover. It, it gives you the opportunity that, to to hypothesize to be a little bit creative because yeah. um, 
if you don't have any physical evidence of what was happening, then how are you going to figure out right. what happened? Right. Right. So, um, yeah, when, when looking at that unconformity, who knows? There, there, there are ideas out there. Um, what are a, your ideas? Well, you, you should, have ideas, right? Well, yeah. So, so when you look at that period of geologic time, um, and, and my hypothesis and, and probably the most widely accepted hypothesis or, or explored hypothesis is probably not as, as sexy as, as you would think, but it's basically has to do with plate tectonics. We talked about the position of the continents before. Mm-hmm. It's whenever we get a period where we have large supercontinents, um, like we Pangea. did at, Yeah, exactly. At, at the end of the Permian going into the Triassic, we had Pangea. We had the supercontinent that stretched from the north to the south pole. Yeah. Basically, when you have the continents coalesced like that, you have broader areas of, of continental interior. Uh, if we look at our modern continents, where we have um, the interior regions are basically places that, that are either sites of, of, of deposition or erosion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have uplifted areas on the edge of, of, of continents where there's active plate boundaries. So where you have mountains that are being forced up and generating sediment from erosion. So if you take a, a continent or all of our continents and you smash them together and you create this big, broad swath of interior, you basically have a prolonged period of erosion that's taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, so those older rocks that form the kind of center of the core of the continent um, are being exposed from erosion. And what you end up with when all that's buried over is missing time. You get unconformity in between them. Hmm. So that's the to me that's the most likely explanation. Yeah, um, and that's not the only big unconformity that exists. Um, Will we ever like peel back this unconformity and find Atlantis? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Von saying yes. Yes. It's in my backyard. Yeah. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's here yeah. in Alpine Texas. Yeah. You heard it. Yes. That's in my you, back. Yeah. That's what you've been hiding back there. Yes. There we go. That just, my tiny, not just bones. Okay. No. All right. Just tiny, that tiny little backyard. <laughs> I have uh, I have Atlantis in it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No. Well, Atlantis well, is well, not what in really, it. What really do you think like hides these unconformities? So, like, so we're talking about missing time. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Is it only guesswork that we have no, to discover no, no. this? Or? No. So- like like I was saying, when it comes to the to the missing time that we have in the in the Triassic and Jurassic out here, um, we do have clues. It's not uniform. That unconformity isn't everywhere. So we can kind of piece it together like a like a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just what was going on here is not the same thing that that was going on where we actually see those those rocks preserved. So you can't okay. directly associate it, but we know. Uh, through plate tectonics, that we had this supercontinent. Yeah. And we know, generally speaking, the processes of, of long-term erosion and what we call denudation of a continent. Oh, my gosh. So you're connecting all these different pieces. And yeah. there's like a vast expanse of just like mysteries that are kind of connected. And you got to find each piece yeah. to, to put it together. And the pieces, what I was going to say, is more like like you're also saying – just because it's missing time in the Permian Basin here, right, in Texas, it's not that, let's say, 
perhaps you are missing a million years between 25 million years mm -hmm. to 24 million years. You're completely missing that million years. You might not be missing that in somewhere in Africa. You yeah, might have exactly. that. And you kind I know it's not the same geology we are talking about. You would still have some clue that which is better than nothing, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's the nature of geology as a whole is is piecing together little points of evidence because as well, I, how, how do you as an academic compound that well it's it's you know as, as from the point that people start started studying this sort of thing this goes all the way back to to james hutton you know one of the fathers of, of geology mm -hmm. recognizing these 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 layers of missing time and trying to figure out what's going on um even with our knowledge now and this is you know 100 something years later um we still don't know entirely right um, at least when it comes to these these large scale unconformities, um, and ours is pretty big. Um, we have basically there's basically two or three of what we call great unconformities on Earth. Um, Only two or three great unconformities. So ones that are widespread and and comprise a lot of geologic time. When you say widespread, like what, what are you talking about? Con like that Continental, goes across, yeah, across con a continent. Continents? Yeah. Okay. So there's a big one um, that's well exposed in Scotland. This is one that James Hutton, uh, one of the fathers of modern geology uh, that he described and puzzled over back in the 1800s. And we've got one in the Grand Canyon uh, here in, in North America. Uh, which separates. How many does North America have? Like the gold medals? Like uh, well, that's that's the great one in North right. America. There's oh, all okay. sorts of unconformities in, un in in North America. But the great one is the Grand Canyon. In the Grand Canyon, okay. yeah. And the reason we can study it is because the Grand Canyon incises all the way down to these ancient Precambrian rocks. Mm. So what you have there is you've got. Well, there's actually two unconformities there. There's um, the oldest one separates. Um, much older Precambrian rock from younger Precambrian rock. That's 400 million years ago, right? Or like, what is this? This, this is this actually goes back. the 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 Vishnu group um, is, I think, the the top of the Vishnu is 1.8 billion years ago. I want to say. I okay. think that's, and I, I'm terrible with numbers, but I'm pretty sure it's 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 older than a billion years. Oh, okay. Um, and so there's an unconformity that separates the Vishnu group, which is a bunch of igneous and metamorphic rocks from the original core of, of, of the North American continent. And then that uh, separates um, the Vishnu from um, what's called the, the um, Grand Canyon supergroup, which is still old. Um, and then that material is all tilted up. So it's it's tilted at a different angle from what's overlying it, which are all the nice horizontal sedimentary rocks from the Paleozoic that you see making up the lower part of, of the Grand Canyon. Uh, yeah. So when you if you if you look at the unconformity at the top of the Vishnu um, and then subtract the time that's missing to the base of oh, the yeah. sandstone, it's oh. it's a lot of time. Wow, it's it's over a billion years that's missing there. Wow, um, man. the one that 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 Hutton described in Scotland, um, I think it's eighty million years that are missing. Wow, so not as not as much time, but the reason these are so impressive is because they're what we call angular unconformities. So mm -hmm. there's missing time, 
but it's it's more apparent because the underlying rocks, the much older rocks, are at a different angle. They're tilted relative to the ones on top of them. So these angular conformities you see, you know, some in some cases the rocks are almost vertical. And then you have this erosional surface on top of them, this irregular surface, and then horizontal rocks. Mm. Um, this is the, the same deal with the the, the one, um, if you drive down to Shafter, oh, if yeah. you drive just south of Shafter, yeah. there's a big one that you can't miss in, in like the second and the last road cut before you get to Presidio. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a big angular conformity. You have old Cretaceous rocks that are tilted. And then you have an unconformable surface, and on top of that is much younger alluvial fan deposits from the Shinati Mountains. Interesting. Yeah, so so we're talking about some serious mystery here, like billions of years yep. of just okay. like, it's like if you watch Titanic and you take like, you know, the whole part about like him being a thief or whatever. Yeah, I think, I think you could trim a good hour and a half off that movie. You though. think so? Yeah. Especially in the middle part. Yeah, yeah, that middle part. You yeah. take that out. I can't even remember the middle part. I was asleep. But okay. uh, <laughs> anyway, we we have about uh, three minutes left, and we're talking about missing time right now. So scientifically and academically, there are uh, a lot of minds that speculate, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the last three minutes, I think I'd like you to expand a little bit on uh, how you communicate. You know, and, and, and do you all like just with a particular uh, like concentration of interest, like get together on this missing so, time? Yeah, so or, when, or what? when you, how, how when you get your Ph.D., yeah. you're invited to a super secret location. And that's where they give oh, you your, with the Minerva statue. The, yeah. Your, the, there's a Athena statue. They give Athena, you. Yeah. yeah. They give you a, a tweed jacket. OK. And a, a pipe, a Meerschaum pipe. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And nice. and yeah, and then and once a year we all meet there and, and sit. Is there a sword? No, there, of course, yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. I'm yeah. giving too much a away. Flaming sword, probably. No, this is you know just uh, it's the same as any other <laughs> yeah. sciences communicated in in the literature. People publish papers and communicate that way and collaborate. Oh, um, okay. And that's that's the whole goal of at least geologic science is just taking these little pieces, you know, because there's geologists everywhere. Yeah taking these little pieces and trying to fit them together somehow. And just like with anything else, there's competing hypotheses and debate. And, which is good. Which is good. Yeah, it's it's productive in the end. Well, it seems like a muddled mixture, really, kind of like a mixture of ideas and It starts and, out and like concepts that. It starts everything. out like that, but then hypotheses are disproven. Their hypotheses are supported and become theories after more yeah. and more information is gathered. So it's just the natural process of science. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, cool. unfortunately, people's people's uh, strong opinions get intertwined with that, and and but that's something historically yeah. that's personality, baby. Yeah. It's all about that personality. Yeah. Even geologists <laughs> have personalities. Uh, yeah, they do. <laughs> I, I think so. Oh wow! I haven't discovered okay. mine yet. I mean, me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. yeah. I do want to touch on that when we come back up after break about the little thing that you talked about. The, how we, how the science, as Connolly was talking about, how it's come to the consensus kind of thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting, yeah. especially when you're talking about something unknown to everybody, right? Yeah. And then we yeah. have this collective of ideas to try to speculate into the unknown. And now, what are we going to diagnose as fact? Right? Yeah, and I'll, uh, and I'll touch on that when we come back after the break a little bit about it. All right, sounds good. We'll see you right after a quick commercial break. 
Ah, uh, yes, indeed. We are back. It is the Science Nights in the morning. I have Dr. Anurban Bhattacharji with me and Dr. Thomas Schiller, resident, I would say, uh, geologist slash paleontologist slash like Indiana Jones, uh, basically personification <laughs> in the high desert. How's that? Yeah. Does that a, sound okay? With a mustache. With a mustache. Yeah. But, okay. So, and so, I have the whip. He doesn't have the whip. Okay. You got it. the whip. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll give you the whip. Yeah. Honor bond. Is, that, is but, that what you have in your backyard too? Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and, we're learning more and, and more about our closet. <laughs> <My backyard. laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, we're having fun today and uh, it is a science nights in the morning. We're talking about missing time. And uh, before we had a really good ex explanation of what missing time is. But now on this segment, I think we're going to talk about the causes, because if you have a geological record, right, mm -hmm. you have basically a schematic of what has happened and what is happening at the moment. Right. Yep. So you have this whole diagram of everything there. Right. But what you don't have is like a monumental mile or two miles high surface of ice Right. That could get hit by a meteor and melt and then nothing is affected in the geo. Oh, well, you're getting into younger dryest stuff. I'm younger yeah, yeah I'm getting yeah, into yeah. younger dryest. I'm getting into some snowballer. Well, I'd, yeah, stuff yeah, I'd too. like to go back a little bit further. We were talking about the, the great unconformity of North America. That like one point two billion years that are missing at the base of the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Um and we started talking about multiple hypotheses and explanations and with that one, because it coincides with with um, Snowball Earth, mm -hmm. which is essentially this theoretical period of time where ice caps extended all the way. If, if you're an extreme Snowball Earth theorist, then you think they extended close to the equator. Um, there so is, Snowball Earth, like a, a theory or hypothesis or it's what? A, it's a theory. We know there was massive glaciation. Okay. Right. Um, uh, like Connie's telling, like, if it's a theory, right, it's not a scientific theory. Like, it's an idea. You were like, more like that? Or yeah. Well, it's backed up by evidence. It's, back, yeah. it's backed up by evidence. Okay. So, um, but basically a period of time where there's prolonged glaciation. I think that's the, the most practical way of, of explaining it. Um, if you watch a documentary like Ancient Aliens or something, if you can even call that a documentary, yeah. um, the the people, a lot of people who who talk about Snowball Earth, they want you to think that the ice caps covered the Earth and it was completely coated in ice, which is probably not the case. But right. Um, in but any a, case, a massive amount of the Earth uh, yeah. was probably covered in ice at some point. Yeah, and, and we can prove that through evidence. Yeah, and yeah. therefore created the theory of the snowballer. Sure, yeah. And, okay. you know, glaciers leave behind really good distinctive evidence. Yeah. Nothing else deposits sediment or erodes material like a glacier. Yeah. Um, and we know a lot about glaciers because kind of the earliest studies of what we call geomorphology, studying the, the surface of, of forms on the Earth, um, the, those scientists were studying glaciers in, like, Switzerland and, and the Alps. And the lakes formed by receding glaciers also have very unique characteristics. Yeah, like the, the Great Lakes, the, the, the very unique. So we, we can easily identify glacial features in the rock record. Just to, to, That's the gist of that. Um, but where the kind of um, hypothesis of, as far as the, the Great Unconformity comes into play is this idea that since the snowball earth coincides with the Great Unconformity, that that glaciation somehow... Um, had a big impact on on the missing time that we have there. 
uh, because glaciers are so effective at eroding, basically physically and chemically breaking down older rock and transporting it away, um, that they were responsible for that missing time, or at least in part responsible. Interesting. Um, okay. So that, that goes back to your question about the different types of unconformities and how they form. Um, erosion is a big one. Um, and we know that for certain because we can see it happening in real time. It's not necessarily yeah. always a prolonged process. For example, when a, when a river floods, like the Rio Grande, if it were to flood, it can, in, in just a matter of hours, change the entire shape of the river channel, the floodplain. The flora and fauna. The, yeah, the, the, the biology. Yeah. Um, and in some cases, rivers can completely change their, the direction that they're flowing mm. through, through erosion and flooding. Um, and when all is said and done, you can see that in, uh, yeah, affecting the, the, the shape or the, the morphology of the channel itself. So we know that can happen on a really short time scale. Um, when we look into the rock record, we can see ancient ancient uh, river channels. They're pretty obvious. You have a, a basically a channel-shaped body of, of rock that has a, a, a scour at its base, yeah. an erosional surface, okay? which tells us that the, that river cut down through the, the older sediment, deposited sediment within it, and then changed its position. So what causes that? It's just normal river just processing. Just regular, regular change, right? Mm -hmm. That's, uh, to be, uh, I mean, that's exactly the process, like the features that we see here on Earth, we see on Mars. And that's how we know that Mars had rivers and waterbeds and lakes mm -hmm. like that, this exact same features yeah. that yeah, you see on point. Earth. Oh, so we're kind of seeing when we're looking at Mars, mm -hmm. we're kind of seeing our own past uh, happen as well. Yeah, but and the reason wow. we can see that in Mars, it is very obvious those things are uh, the erosion is not happening on Mars. So what we are seeing, these things have happened a billion years ago, and since there is no erosion anymore because it doesn't have an atmosphere, it's not very geologically active and stuff. So you those wow. are left behind, mm -hmm. and we are seeing that what. You, what has happened in Mars and uh, those river beds and stuff like that, and it looks exactly like what we see on Earth. And that's mm. how we know that Mars mm -hmm. had water and flowing rivers. And So we have some correlation there. Absolutely. Yep. And, and we can use that in our scientific research. Mm -hmm. And we can create new hypotheses, which will eventually turn into theories, mm -hmm. right? Well, the, the discovery of those those river channel deposits on Mars completely changed our, our idea of, of the history of Mars because it told us for certain that there was flowing water on Mars. Mm. And it's, it's, it's basic physics. It's basic mechanics. Yeah. You know, oh. we know what it takes to pick up big pieces of rock and move them. Mm -hmm. Wind doesn't do that. Only water and ice do that. So... Mm. We know there was flowing water on Mars. Deep canyons, like Grand Canyons and stuff like that, the same structure we see on Mars. Mm -hmm. So, wow. and uh, which is amazing. Yeah, and now we know there were <laughs> there were lakes and and all sorts of other features too. Yeah. Um, so, going back to to and one thing before uh, going back to missing time, like when you're, uh, why is this so? relevant for us when you talked about this is like i want to like i don't know if you mentioned this is like let's say when we say 80 million years is missing right mm -hmm. to give a perspective on that i 
the hominid, the species of homo, like where we come out of, right, mm-hmm. is barely been around. If you push it, maybe five million years to the max. Yeah. So you can have an entire kind of a species evolving, and us <laughs> completely missing out on that. Yeah. And that. Yeah. But, many many species. Yeah. You know we've we've been around for. Point zero 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 one percent of That's all of homo, geologic homo sapien or homo yeah the, the hominins uh, yeah. do yeah. the uh, football field analogy oh yeah 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 you got to do the football yeah, field do, analogy do that so when I was a uh, undergrad student at Sol Ross I was sitting in my physical geology class and um, my professor at the time had a really great analogy for geologic time um, and this will kind of add some 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 strength to what we're talking about here when it comes to missing time. But if you visualize all of geologic time as a football field, the uh, first hundred yards and the first end zone basically comprise what we call the Precambrian. This is the time before most of our, our advanced multicellular organisms evolved wow. um, before the speed the you know the the groups that we we know now as different plants and animals come come about ancient time single-celled yeah that's the yeah before that we had some complex stuff towards the end but um all single-celled prokarya and and eukarya so that's the full hundred yards of the football field wow the end zone is the uh, paleozoic mesozoic and cenozoic okay The, the phanerozoic time um, which Paleozoic is ancient life, Mesozoic is middle life, and Cenozoic is new life. So that is just the end zone. That is the, the entire time it took for fishes to evolve, for tetrapods, dinosaurs, dinosaurs. mammals, everything, and yeah. us included. Right. Now, here's where the, the cool part of the analogy is. He said, no, this is my professor when I was a student, if you go to the very, very end of the end zone, and you find the last blade of grass. The thickness of that blade of grass is basically the amount of time that, that we've been around. Human beings. Human beings, homo sapiens, which Just is pretty the, incredible. The little grass, that's it. Yeah, the, little blade. the thickness of a blade of grass. That's all that we have uh, to discover from this whole entire football and, field. And, and we forget, a majority of even of that, like the thickness of the blade, we didn't even know how to write or read yeah, or anything or document, or anything. document anything in that part. Yeah. yeah, which is crazy because when you think about it, like, um, you know, uh, with, like our consciousness kind of like started right there. So how many times have our consciousness evolved in that other time that we don't even know about making uh, the point that, OK, there's Mars out there that has similarities to us. Like, are we bouncing around like ah? There's so many mysteries. Yeah. There's well, a Pandora box so full of uh, goodies. I, I kind of see where you're where you're going at there, but so our <clears throat> our human history is we have a limited record of that, right? Yeah. Um, but that's just you know because there's periods where nothing was written. We don't have record, but we have stories that are passed on. We have a much more complete record of <laughs> of human history than we do the rest of ancient history. Yeah. Um, so. There aren't too many pieces missing from that puzzle, relatively speaking. But I like where, where y'all were going when talking about uh, plants and animals, mm-hmm. okay? Because that's where it really interests mm-hmm. me. Um, I'm, I'm a stratigrapher, so of course I'm interested in the missing physical layers of rock. Yeah. But what I always go back to, and I've probably said this a hundred times on the show when we talk about evolutionary biology and all that sort of stuff, 
But to me, it's incredible to imagine. So we've, we've, everything that's living today, we know of, I think, 20, less than, less than 20% of the known species that are estimated to exist on Earth. Okay. So 87% of, of known species or, or of species that likely exist, we've never seen or recorded. Yeah, um, well. and I hope I'm right with that with that statistic. But um, or ballpark, yeah, ballpark. An incredible number of 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 plants and animals that we we still haven't discovered. Um, and maybe Sean's listening and and punching the wall or something because I'm totally off off on that <laughs> one. Um, but if we take that and we extrapolate it to the past, you know, mil- billion and a half years that stuff's been around, how much is truly missing from mm-hmm. from that amount of time? And what I always tell my students is we, in my classes, if we go through the history of the earth, is we talk about these, these evolutionary radiation events where uh, there's a big extinction and what's left over mm. starts evolving and branching out again. Yeah. And it's those periods of time where we get really weird stuff. Like you look at the, the, the Permian, Triassic, a bunch of weird stuff showed up after that. After the Cretaceous, when the dino- mm. the non-bird dinosaurs went extinct, we had these giant terrestrial birds. We had the megafauna, all sorts That's of right, weird, yeah. weird stuff. What were those that. giant terrestrial birds called? Terror birds. Terror birds. Yeah. Um, and if you Not look really at if you look at some some pictures of them, they're, they're land the bird. name is appropriate. Yeah, yeah, terrestrial land dwelling birds. Um, so of what we know, which is just a a, a percent of a percent you know um is weird there's weird stuff Mm. um so imagining what existed in time that's missing or that we haven't discovered yet is even more incredible to me because you look at at modern animals for example when we talked about this on a show maybe four or five weeks ago when we talked about the deep sea Mm -hmm. the weird stuff that lives down in the deepest parts of the ocean that looks alien yeah and this is a brief window of time you know right we talked about how quickly relatively speaking things can evolve and change we look at those weird things that are living down in the deep ocean and then expand that to a billion and a half years worth of time wow that's just a completely new filing cabinet you're opening yeah because some of the animals which have evolved in the deep seas has um, never uh, I mean, that's the kind of like the one of the undisturbed mm-hmm. kind of segments of Earth, mm-hmm. right uh, uh, down there, and they have been there forever. So, which is pretty cool. I mean, you get to study that, and you look at uh, yeah, yeah, and that's that's really the only opportunity we have because, unfortunately, when it comes to the fossil record, we don't have great preservation. We have, it's probably one of the worst ways of preserving fossils uh, are things that live out in the deep part of the ocean right because there's not a huge amount of deposition happening there something if Mm. one of those weird angler fish things dies and sinks to the bottom of the ocean it's going to be broken down by Mm. bacteria it's going to be picked clean by other fish it's not going to be buried it's just going to disappear for because every little morsel of a nutrient whatever you there in deep sea it's get eaten up it's it's consumed it's not wasted at all there's no time it's it's not buried over quickly so it's not going to be preserved yeah so you look at, at the amount of time that the that, that animals have been living in the oceans, you know, mm. millions and millions of years, 
and those are all gone. They're lost to, to time because they weren't preserved. But even if we like can kind of gaze upon the physical evidence that these beings were here at one point or even not like, you know, with the underwater mm-hmm. kind of uh, uh, species that are there uh, that have or that are not there now. Right. Uh, we still don't. I mean, that just gives us like a fraction of the full information mm-hmm. that we could even possibly yeah. imagine. Right. Yeah. But we piece it together. That's that's what we do. You know, you look. um so kind of our, our framework for, for all of this is what we call the geologic time scale mm-hmm. or the international stratigraphic chart. Um, if you look at when it was first being constructed, it was divided into like a dozen different sections of time. You look at it now and it looks like a rainbow of colors because right. each yeah. one of these colors represents a different division of time. But it's subdivided more and more and more, and we understand more about it and piece it more together as scientists continue to discover things. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So the rainbow is really just our imagination coming to fruition through evidence and, and uh, our own research. Yeah. Right? Well, it's it's actually really systematic. There's not much imagination involved. It's, it's Well, it has to start with imagination. We just discussed well, about curiosity. it. Well, curiosity. It has to start with the events that happen. That's where the imagination well, comes Well, when you come place. into a hypothesis, you have to imagine what could probably happen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, but the, the, the International Stratigraphic Chart, which is the more official sounding name for the oh, wow. geologic so time official. scale, yeah. is, 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 is the divisions are, are reviewed and accepted by the International Commission on Stratigraphy. Wow, they sound so yeah. real. Yeah, so wow. these, these people do not have imagination. <laughs> these are the guys with their tweed jackets and pipes and... Uh, yeah. That's probably not the case. Uh, uh, but <laughs> they're waiting oh, for Thomas to come up with a new kind of division, and them wanting to shoot it down. Yeah. It's like, this is stupid. Yeah, no. that's their job. No, that's so, not so it's so official. It's yeah. so official. All right. Well, you know what? I, I, okay, I'm going to throw a wrench into things. After the break, I got a question to pose to you that will kind of ignite more questions about missing time, and uh, we'll have that question right after a quick commercial break. Metallica. All right. Sorry, we were talking <laughs> about Metallica. Schiller, talking about Metallica over here, but we are uh, back. We are back with the Science Nights in the Morning. Dr. Anurban Bhattacharjee here in the studio with us, astronomer extraordinaire. And we have a uh, geologist slash paleontologist, one of uh, the best minds as far, as far as I'm concerned. I can say that. I can say a very, very uh, highly regarded uh, academic in Thomas Schiller. Um, no one, we're, no one knows we're talking about <laughs> when we're talking about uh, geology and and all this stuff. So we've been talking about missing time today, and uh, before the break, I was uh, going to pose a question to you, and I do have a question. So we were talking about missing time and all the things that we miss in small segments of history, even up to how many millions of years? Like one point two billion, I think. Billion, the, the yeah, billion. Billion. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're talking billions of years. Now, I'm going to bring it, fast forward it to current times. And there was a recent release saying, OpenAI's top researchers made a startling claim this week that artificial intelligence may have already gained consciousness. Now, uh, that is pretty interesting to me. Uh, I'm in the computer science kind of world and uh, like any kind of being, you were talking about extinct, uh, you know, animals mm-hmm. and, and everything. 
but any kind of being that can achieve consciousness, I mean, that's a pretty big thing. And that's something that we're constantly exploring, looking out into the future on. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about looking and peering into the future, how are we going to prevent this time from missing? Is it possible? No. Okay. All no, right. We can, All right. We'll but, see you. Uh, no. uh, uh, go, go ahead. No, but, but no, you I, get my question. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do. And, and I think both on a, on a long geologic scale, the answer is no. And I think on a long, uh, a shorter human scale, the answer is no. And so our only evidence is the ground we walk. Even that's not going to be evidence. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because so. the, the, the ground we're walking on here in Alpine is, is eroding in the every day. It's eroding every day. So yeah. The hills around us are going to be gone in just a short time, and there will be oceans that extend across the continent, I'm sure, at some point in time in the future that will deposit and we bury that surface. And AI reaching consciousness and taking over the world and <laughs> that'll happen. Mankind. Yeah. Skynet. Yeah, Skynet, Skynet will happen. Um, no, like, uh, this is kind of like interesting question, but uh, I think what colony is telling is that 1.2 billion years right mm -hmm. that is missing <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, could, could are you in hinting that was there a previous civilization like that was missing in that time so the idea was like what i think thomas is saying here is that 1.2 billion years that is missing is missing from that area right yeah. It's not missing somewhere in India or maybe in Japan. Yeah, that, we have a record there. It, right, oh, just that, Yeah. So if we had a huge civilization, which around that time, it would, it would need to be only localized at that particular spot mm. for it to be completely missing mm -hmm. and not spread out. And if you think it's a... Um, I don't know. I mean, if it's a like a like a really advanced civilization, why wouldn't they spread out? We have spread out, so they w we would have evidence of some kind somewhere mm -hmm. on Earth. Yeah. yeah. So so that's what makes me skeptical to uh, feel that uh, mm -hmm. that there wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> like a, a but really it's not like a civilization didn't want to be spread out. Atlantis. So you want like this is like a Om Shiryo Shinyo <laughs> cult in Japan? No, I, like, no, no. no it's, <laughs> all, all I'm saying is that there is a, a tremendous uh, expanse of wonder out Absolutely. there is basically Absolutely. what I'm saying. Yeah. And that, uh, you know, when you get down to the root of it is uh, you have to appreciate every single moment mm -hmm. that you're here. And that's really what you're doing uh, from an academic standpoint when you're studying this missing time mm -hmm. and trying to piece everything together. So uh, we have another uh, about 10 minutes, not quite 10 minutes uh, so uh, right now, but maybe instead of, uh, you know, expanding on what we've done to discover this missing time, uh, expand on what we're doing uh, in the future, what do you think? Well, I think the kind of the the current mo is the best method, at least in my point of view. Where but do you see any cycles that we can run ourselves into to where we're just <laughs> repeating the same process over and over? How do you mean in terms of how we're investigating academically, time? like our academic disciplines? Because uh, we were talking before about how uh, <laughs> you know you went into all the officials and all this stuff. Right. Well, when is it going to stop being pseudoscience and like start being real science? Well, you just you have to make discoveries that support whatever right. hypothesis it is you have. And okay. and that's the natural process of what we do. Um, and it just it takes it takes time. It takes yeah. exploring and, and discovering new places. 
um, and, and collecting and gathering that knowledge and sharing it with people. So that's like the goal of, of, of our academic pursuit mm-hmm. uh, is to expand upon what we know about, in my case, Earth's history. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you have to find more pieces of the puzzle, just plain and simple. And that, you know, on my scale, we're talking millions of years. We're talking about when the dinosaurs were around and all that. But people who study human civilizations, they're looking at a shorter time scale. They have a better record in a lot of cases. Right. Um, and they're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. But it's all very systematic is the thing. Is, is um, There's some people out there, like in the realm of pseud- pseudoscience, who um, just kind of imagine something. Like there's a lot of that surrounding Atlantis and things like that. Sure. Bigfoot and everything. Yeah. It's like... They, they're ba- basically playing make make believe. It's like, ooh, wouldn't this be cool if if that existed? And there's yeah. no there's no process to that. Um, right. You can explore it, and Absolutely. there are plenty of people out there exploring the possibility of Atlantis existing. Mm-hmm. It's not outside the realm of possibilities. We've talked about that in, in a previous episode. Sure. But you need the, the evidence. You need yeah. to find it. And right. like Onerbon was connecting saying, the dots. Yeah. If, like Onerbon was saying, if you had this advanced civilization, which may have been advanced for the time, maybe not with flying cars and stuff Solar like that. Solar power and nuclear power. Yeah. But maybe it. just like you know, education, written documentation. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff yeah. Like sure. Um, you got to you got to find the evidence of them. And and just from our knowledge of human civilization, when groups become that advanced, they spread out. Mm-hmm. They populate other places. Usually, they they do so violently. violently. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just like it how we both went and said violently. Yeah, that's just that's <laughs> well, that's the easiest thing, man. I mean, we're yeah. we're throwing rocks at each other. No, right we, now. we forget that nowadays, like everybody seems to think life was kumbaya. It was never ever no. that. It's all it, chaos. All. Violent chaos. Yeah, yeah violent, violent chaos. chaos. Yeah. This is kind of well, the first period of human history where we can resolve some things. By talking. Yeah, diplomatically. Dis- um, yes. And that's still kind of rare. Yeah. Even, even, even with our country, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, well, but anyway, the, but, I, I, I kind of like where you're going calmly with the, the idea of the future because, you know, with what I do, I'm always looking into the past. I'm always thinking about what has happened and not what's going to happen. Uh, but ultimately, when you when you do that, you have to start thinking about the future of, of yeah. humanity and of the earth and everything. And I've I've thought about this a little bit. You know, you think about um, other human civilizations, uh, some of which have had written record, uh, older ones that didn't. But we have physical evidence of their presence and all that. And we think of our presence um, here and what our version of the written record is. And yeah, we're not we're not like printing not a lot even. of books anymore. We're getting all of our in the cloud. It's all, right. yeah, it's all out there in the ether, right? Yeah. It's all it's all preserved on on devices and servers. And what my big question is is whether or not our record <clears throat> in terms of of our modern civilization yeah. is going to be preserved, preserved at all. I mean, we have a library of Al- Alexandria, like times. A billion, mm-hmm. like to the billionth, yeah. you know, like right now in, in where we're at right now. So is there any technology being pursued to preserve this that you know of anybody? I don't know. I mean, those uh, what the time capsules, I guess. But um, I mean, uh, we don't know. I mean, we, we, we don't know. You, like yeah, they're, they're putting the time capsules, digging them in mm-hmm. deep down. But what happens, there is like a 
like a huge asteroid hits us yeah. and then just and it, well, yeah, I, I got I got an answer for you. So if you want an answer. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, all all of the uh anything that has ever been spoken has been turned into a wave. And those waves are constant and infinite in the universe. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And hey, they're out there. Yeah, I mean, but our, it, who who can decipher them? I don't know, but they're out it there. It would be so. hard. Well, the 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 scary thing is is Aside from conversations that have been had and that sort of communicated knowledge, there's a wealth of knowledge that's constantly being expanded upon through the scientific process that is all on digital media. Digital media, yeah. So you think back like to the Dark Ages, right? Where most of human written knowledge disappeared Mm -hmm. and started from square one. Yeah. It's like all this stuff that we're working towards. What's going to happen if it goes away? Boom! Yeah, we're going to have to we're going to have to invent the cell phone and, again. Yeah, no, I, I could I could do without that. So, <laughs> okay. I was going to say bringing it all back to missing time, and if I'm going to talk from astronomy, right? If I have to talk <laughs> about that, how it for us uh, we ha- got help because we could do we had nuclear reactors at least where we mm-hmm. could immediately study the nuclear fusion process and fish, all those things. We could study it right here. It's like, oh yeah, this is how. Elements, when you fuse them, they release energy. Cool. That's what's happening up in the stars. Awesome. Yeah. We don't have to worry about different stars' age and stuff like that. Like, so for us, that became much simpler when we understand nuclear fusion, at least for stars. Yeah. Well, there we go. There we go. Now you know, everybody, uh, the, the Pandora's <laughs> box has yeah. been open. We can't close it. And there's nothing uh, inside. There's well, there yeah, there's nothing inside. Literally, there was something well, in there, but it's gone. Now. And now we got to figure it out. It might and come back. That is what the Pandora's box really is: is our own curiosity to uh, figure out the unknown, which is really boundless and endless mm-hmm. in many ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love that. And you know what? That's pretty cool. And uh, let the journey continue uh, on into the cosmos, as Carl Sagan would say so uh anything else to wrap up with before we uh finish this live episode of science nights in the morning you want to give us our not the phone number so that they can call us and ask questions yeah what is it? yeah we need people to call in call What's in the- oh yeah. yeah well uh well i mean they can't call in right now but no. normally it's uh, uh well 232-1987 and i'll have that on the outro too so please uh visit us on facebook science nights in the morning k-n-i-g-h-t-s and uh you can visit our patreon and all that other stuff you can listen to us live local and worldwide online at bigbenradio.com every saturday from 10 to 11 a.m and i'm gonna go and get the outro thanks y'all learn a lot today rock on rock on Thanks for listening to this episode of Science Nights in the Morning. Be sure and follow us on Patreon for exclusive gear and uncut episodes. Check out the latest science articles on our Facebook page and subscribe to us on YouTube and your favorite podcast listening app. You can also listen every Saturday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time at BigBenRadio.com. And if you got a question, we'll join the discussion. Hit the hotline at 432-217-1983 and record your message. We couldn't do this without you, and thank you so much for listening each and every week. That's Science Nights in the Morning with a K, and we'll see you next time.